Amen. <coughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Hallelujah. Let us, let us join right now in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for your anointing, God. <coughs> we thank you for who you are, Lord. Father, I pray right now in this moment that you would raise us up as soldiers, <clears throat> that we would endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Father, even now I pray that you would begin to give us strength, that you would give us endurance, you would give us empowerment, that you would give us ability to endure, that you would give us, Father, a second wind, Lord. I pray right now for all those that are faint of heart, that are hanging on by a strand, that feel like they can't make it, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, against every attack of the devil, every attack against every demon, against every wicked agent, God. I pray that those weapons would come to nothing. I pray that you would thwart those plans. I ask in the name of Jesus, God, for divine intervention, for divine power, for divine glory. In Jesus' name, God, perform the miraculous, God. Intervene on our behalf. Perform, O oh God, signs and the miraculous, Lord. Father, raise up, O oh God, and hear our cry like David said. I will bless the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me. Father, we cry aloud, Lord. We lift up our voice. Lord, we lift up, Lord, the voice of faith, knowing, God, that when we call on you, that you answer. When we call on you, you don't turn us a deaf ear. That when we call on you, O oh Lord, that you are faithful, God, to step in our situation, to stoop down, O oh Lord, and change, Father, the unchangeable God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that every arrow of the devil would fall to the ground, that it would come to nothing, that it would be destroyed and dismantled. Father, prosper your people. Empower your people. I pray, Lord, for a fresh baptism of your spirit, Lord, upon us, God. Hallelujah. Lord, speak this day. Speak this morning. In the name of Jesus, may your word go forth as a two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit, Lord. May your word go forth, O God, and discern the intents and the motives of the heart. May your word go forth, Father, <clears throat> in such a way that those that are under the sound of my voice would begin to suspect Oh, that, that I've been spying them on them of some sort. But Lord, we know that you uh, see all and that you know all and nothing is hidden from your sight. So God, may, may you speak in such a way, Lord, that, that, uh, uh, we are given direction, that we are given, Father, guidance, Lord. We are given instruction, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, grant your servant, uh, prophetic insight. Grant your servant, Lord, prophetic utterance. Lord, grant, Father, your servant, O Lord, um, empowerment to preach your word. May I, as Richard Baxter said, preach as a dying man to dying men as if I can never preach again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. May I, as, as Peter said, preach as the very oracle of God. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Father, may your people this day receive what they've been seeking for. May they receive, O oh Lord, what they've been uh, um, looking to you for, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Hallelujah. We glorify you. We magnify you. I just want you right now to begin to lift up your voice and say, Lord, uh, join in this gathering. Join in this fellowship. Join in the midst of your people. Join in the midst of the temple. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify and magnify your holy and precious name. Amen. How many of you know that this isn't... Uh, this isn't some religious social club. This isn't some, you know, religious AA meeting, right? Uh, this isn't just some, you know, book fair, book club where we gather around the 66 books uh, of, of the Bible and, and, you know, we're exchanging thoughts. What do you think about this? It, it's not about that. See, what, it, what it's about is Christ in our midst, the hope of glory. Amen. It's about Christ Himself, Amen. although un, uh, all uh, although unintangible, uh, although you can't see Him, you can't touch Him. He is nevertheless in the midst of of us. So, if, you know, like uh, Leonard Ravenhill would often ask, uh, he would preface uh, in some of the meetings that you know he would go to in in the churches that he would preach at. He said, "What did you come here for? Did you come here to meet God?" And, and, um, you know, sadly today we're living a day and age where you can't ask questions like that lest they think you're a religious freak or a religious fanatic. You know, what else do I, what do I, else do I come to, uh, in, in the gathering of the saints for? I don't come to look at people, people's clothing or, or just hear good music, right? You can do all that stuff on your own. Amen. <coughs> We come to meet the living God. As, as the prophet Malachi said, the Lord whom ye seek. You know, and we're not seeking God. And I'm not saying us here particularly. I'm just saying by and large, we seek everything else but God. We may even seek the word of God, but don't seek the God of the word. Some people just search the word of God just and, and it's as wonderful as it is to gain knowledge. But we need more than knowledge. We need the one who knows all. Amen. We need the ancient of days, the infinite one, the eternal one. And and Jesus demonstrates as uh, and he points out in the case of the Pharisees. Right. He says, you search the scriptures diligently in that in them you have eternal life, not knowing that they testify of me. You know, uh, <clears throat> see, the, the, the you know, the Pharisees were good at concocting religious and linguistical uh, uh, word salads. Right, they they just love playing origami with the scriptures and gymnastics um, with the Bible. But see, they they are twisting like pretzels, and they still couldn't find, they still couldn't find the Lord Jesus, right? Because it all pointed to Him, right? And some people they 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 can even use scriptures, just like uh, you know this cult that um, I've recently been telling you guys about this whole Mother God cult where they think that there's a mother God and that Jesus was some Asian man. That's a bunch of garbage. <clears throat> and yet, what are they doing? They're using the Bible, but they're using the Bible to justify their, their doctrines of demons. You know, there. Well, there's this place here <laughs> in my city called, what is it, Annie's or Ann's or what is it? 
Auntie Annie's. Oh, Auntie Annie's? Yeah, they're like, they're twisting like Auntie Annie. <laughs> they're twisted like Key Sweat. <laughs> Got me twisted, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little uh, Instagram reel. I said, "Cessation is how they twist scripture. They they got twisted like you sweat." <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but, but, you know, um, we're the new temple. We're the temple of the living God. Amen. <clears throat> in Ezekiel 37, it talks about the temple of the living God. And in second Corinthians, Paul applies that to the church. He says, ye are that temple. And, and so what, you know, um, do we want the, the Shekinah glory? Do we want the glory of the Lord to be departed from the temple? God forbid, we want the Lord's glory to rest in the temple like it was in 1 Kings chapter 8, right? When they had consummated the temple in the seventh month, and they they, commemor- they, they consummated with the, the feast of trumpets, and they blew the trumpets, and the Shekinah glory came in, in the midst of the temple. Now people, you know, this is where people's intellectual minds get into the, into the way. They're like, well, how do I know, like, how can I see that? How can I calculate that? How can I test that? You you don't test the glory. You're enveloped in the glory. It's an experiential, it's an experimental, experiential reality, right? You know, people don't say, well, how can I calculate getting high? What are the chemical properties of, you know, this, this stimuli as I, you know, take a hit of this blunt? They don't say all that. They just take a hit and then they get high, right? They experience it, right? And I'm not saying for us to not use our minds. However, sometimes the intellect can become the stumbling block that prevents you from encountering God. We want to put God through test tubes and, you know, and experimentation. We got the Richard Dawkins sort of understanding of we think that everything is you know, scientific, everything can be tested. You can't test God. Amen. He tells you in his Amen. word, don't test me. Don't put me to the test. You know, <clears throat> I'm not saying for us to be gullible and dimwits, but, you know, oftentimes I have seen that people in the name of being a good Berean are critically, uh, not just critical minded, you want to have a critical mind, but they're critically spirited and they have a suspicious spirit in the name of discernment. Because they have so much unhealed trauma, they have so much uh, baggage, they have so much um, hurt and, and distrust that has been developed because of bad names, bad, bad people in the name of God, and that therefore they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They said, this person right here was a pastor, they claim this, or they're a charlatan, they're making money, blah, 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 and now they dismiss everybody else that does things in the name of the Lord, meanwhile claiming they have a spirit of discernment. It's a spirit of suspicion. It's the, um, it's the I spy spirit. You always think someone's after you. 
You ever uh, you ever listen to that old song from the 80s where it goes, um, I wonder who's watching me now, the IRS. I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> they always think everybody's out to get them. Everybody's out to dupe them, double-cross them, all that, right? Not a, Hallelujah. Let me say this. I know this is for somebody. Uh, you, you, not everybody that comes into your life is out to to uh, take something from you, but to rather get something to you, right? <clears throat> not not everybody that comes into your camp is a Judas. Not everybody that comes into your camp is a Saul. You have to learn to discern who the wicked are that are against you. Right? And the righteous who are for you. And guess what? The righteous may not always tell you what you want to hear, as the wicked may always do. They just will smile in your face, tell you what you want to hear, pat you on the back, and give you a religious foot rub. But the righteous are there to undergird you, to press you forward into God. Amen. 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 Slap your name. <laughs> Tell your, tell your neighbor. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Right? No, but seriously, um, we we have to be discerning of of who is who God has sent in our lives and whom the Lord has not sent. <coughs> you, you you may lose out on the will of God. By neglecting, by uh, uh, dismissing specific people whom the Lord has sent, right? See, uh, the Pharisees were so bent on on the Messiah coming in chariots and coming with militant power and, and perhaps being born in a palace. But what did they say? Could anything good come out of Nazareth? See, you might carry that same mindset and say... Can anything good come out of this place? Can anything good come out of that place? Can any person that is good come out for my life come out of this place here? But it may very well be the fact that that's the individual whom the Lord has sent in order to get you to partner with them to fulfill your destiny. Amen. <clears throat> People are always looking for those born in royal palaces. But Jesus was born in a manger. And so that if you did not have spiritual eyes, you would be undiscerning to the fact that, that Christ the Lord was born that day. There was no room for him in the end, right? And he was born in a manger in, in, in a state, in a position of humility, right? That just goes to show not, not all kings are born in palaces. <laughs> amen. amen you know so you know your your husband or, or wife might come from a manger right they might they might come out of nazareth right um And, you know, the interesting thing is that even sorcerers were able to discern that Christ was king when the so-called uh, God's chosen couldn't see. Mm. 
right? They were using astrology and to be able to detect where the Lord would be born. If you look up the word uh, magi in Greek, it's the word sorcerer. There were, there were warlocks. So so that, that just debunks the whole idea that witchcraft and sorcery can't yield you truth. Because it can. But the source is contaminated. See, you know, you know, I, I, I hear all these cessationists all the time. I'll say, you know, uh, you know, it, um, the only test of a true prophet is that he tells the truth. That's not true. Warlocks can tell you your phone number. They can tell you the amount of money in your bank account. They can tell you what you ate that day. They can tell you all that information without spying on you. And yet, and yet, they're false. <clears throat> Why? Because the source from which they're drawing is demonic. Demons didn't always tell lies. That's the other thing, too. I see all these keyboard warriors on YouTube, and all, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, if it was really, you know, why is he asking a demon what's his name and all this other stuff, right? When he's casting out the demon, why is he asking what the demon's name is? Well, why, why did Jesus do it? Did the demons lie to Jesus? No. Yeah. <clears throat> did the demons lie when the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast him out and they said, Paul, we know, Jesus, we know? Were they lying about that? But who are you? No, they can tell the truth when in the authority of Christ, they are mandated to do so. They might be reluctant and hesitant and, and scratch and fight before they yield the truth, but they will nevertheless yield it. You know, um, th there was one time uh, my, my cousin, he told me this uh, situation where this individual tried to cast out a demon. And the demon scoffed at him and said, you don't even, uh, you don't even pray. You can't cast me out. And the demon wasn't lying. The guy doesn't. But anyways, um, <clears throat> and, and, and for those who say that's not biblical, what did Jesus say? This only comes out by fasting and prayer, right? This, this kind <clears throat> right that's that's scriptural um come on somebody um let, let's go to matthew chapter 13 Matthew chapter 13, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we can, um, we can get into, um, I, I know that there can be abuses from the word of the Lord, like from, from taking God's word and twisting it and all that stuff, there certainly can be abuses, but there can be abuses on the other spectrum when people have this, um, airtight, uh, sort of restriction to, you know, to trying to confine everything to explicit statements in the scriptures. In other words, they say, where is that out in the Bible? Where is that out in the Bible? Right? 
That's a good question to ask. Where is that in the Bible? It is a good question. But there are always exceptions to things to where the Bible doesn't directly speak to. For example, the Bible doesn't directly speak to, you know, uh, these recent microchip implants in the brain. The Bible doesn't speak to that. The Bible doesn't speak to blood transfusions. The Bible doesn't speak to these situations directly. Why? Because this is a first century book. Well, you know, as far as the New Testament is concerned, a first century book. And they did not foresee these issues. Right. So you can't expect too much from the scriptures in that regard. We, however, can extrapolate principles and compile a theology to speak to that situation vaguely, right? We, we can do that. But <clears throat> does that make sense? So before Balaam encountered a talking donkey, he didn't ask, where's a talking donkey in the scriptures? Mm. Or, or where, where God parted the Red Sea through the hand of Moses and Moses didn't take a step back and say, oh, God, doesn't, he don't do that. That's not in the Bible. Because the Bible was not even written yet. Where What did Abraham appeal to to say God doesn't ask you to sacrifice? Come on, somebody. You may not like it, but it's true. The fact is, is that if there are things that do not directly contradict the nature and the word of God, right? That's If it directly contradicts the Lord's word, and his nature and his character obviously rejected. However, we to just because the Bible doesn't directly say, oh, you know, that when you get in the presence of God, you start crying tears or, you know, or whatever the situation is, the Bible doesn't directly say that. However, we are not to immediately, therefore, to reject it. Amen. We have to... Uh, uh, tread cautiously, of course, but be discerning. <clears throat> Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. You can be those that gullibly accept everything and bite on every single thing spoken in the uh, in uh, the name of the Lord, right? Um, or you can go on the other spectrum and dis- quench the spirit and dismiss everything that God does want to bring to you. Right? Does that make sense? Amen. So let let us uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13. I wanted to get to um, uh, this this passage here that I I was unable to get to last time, last week, um, beginning of verse 18. Once again, Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Look at what what the word of the Lord says. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Let, let me let me say this oh, real quick before I I want to comment one more one more thing about what I was mentioning. Yesterday, me and my wife went to Barnes and Noble, and 
And as I was looking for the, the, the religious section to find some, you know, books just to browse and look at and stuff, um, I went into, I found the section and I'm looking at the books and I feel this immense heaviness. Like, um, you know, um, just this heavy resistance like near my neck area and my back, okay, and and it just felt ugly, and um, and in my mind, I thought I I can almost bank on the fact that right behind me are the witchcraft books, and then I turn around and certain there was there was a bunch of witches around the whole witchcraft and black magic section, and um, I say that because. Yeah, I know I should have burned it, huh? <clears throat> um, call down fire from heaven. Um, but the the reason why I bring that up is because the, someone might say, well, where is that at in the Bible? That you will feel stuff, okay? Um, the reality is this, <clears throat> that God has put in us the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth to guide us. It's not just the scriptures. It's the Holy Ghost in us that that leads us and guides us into truth. And how do you expect him to do that? Audibly? Is, is he going to, you know, come down from heaven? No. He's going to, you know, give you impressions and give you uh, impulses um, to, to avoid certain people, to detect certain things, right? Does that make sense? Um, but look at what it says uh, listen to what the parable of the sower means when anyone who hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches it away what uh, snatches away what was sown in their heart okay so let's just stop there so the the message of the kingdom is the gospel Right? Can we agree to that? And <coughs> the gospel in the Greek is euangelios. It means good news. Right? And so Jesus is saying that when the gospel is preached, right, the gospel of the kingdom, that's also another term that's used for the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, does not understand. Now, let me just say this. Also, the gospel of the kingdom is not just Christ died and rose again. That is central. If you remove that, you don't have any gospel. Okay? Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15. You know, that which I have received, I delivered to you of first importance. That Christ died and was buried according to the scriptures and he rose again on the third day. Right? <coughs> but, Jesus said this also. If I by the finger of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. See, Paul says this, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? Amen. Does not the Lord say that? So, it's it, words are necessary for the gospel of the kingdom, but it's not sufficient for the gospel of the kingdom. Does that make sense? In other words, we need 
there needs to be a coupling with the words. And what is that coupling? It's the demonstration of power. For what then separates us and distinguishes us from all the other so-called religions that claim to possess truth? <coughs> um, <coughs> I just recently, <coughs> excuse me, told this individual that believes in Mother God, right, uh, and, and and that you have to get baptized in this Korean guy's name, all this garbage. I said. You know, because I was debating with them. <clears throat> I said, let's drop the debate. I said, let's find someone that is severely demonized, possessed by a demon. <clears throat> you invoke Mother God and that Korean guy, and I'll invoke Jesus Christ. And I said, we will see Amen. who the demon listens to. Demonstrate what power you have, and I'll demonstrate what power I have. <clears throat> Amen. Because Satan cannot drive out Satan, right? And then that's what Jesus says. But if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. In other words, I carry the kingdom and I bring it. And I, So, you know, Paul says this, uh, that Paul says that he manifests the spirit. That terminology is used there in the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians, right? Now, think about this for a minute. Can you see spirit? Show me spirit. Can you, what are you going to do? Just, ta-da, here you go. <coughs> what are you going to do? Put it on a projector screen, you know, reveal it through an x-ray. Here, I demonstrated spirit. How do you demonstrate spirit? Well, how do demons demonstrate spirit? Well, how, how do wicked agents demonstrate demonic spirit? There are manifestations, right, of the spirit, and there's manifestations of demons. There's demonstration of spirit. There's demonstration of, 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 of demons. Paul says this, when I came to you in Corinth, I didn't come with just the eloquence of words, but I came to you with the demonstration of spirit, and power. Now, in other words, he's saying, I can demonstrate spirit to you. And how that's demonstrated is through signs. Through prophesying, you know, accurately reading what you, not reading. I, I don't want you guys to think that, well, prophesying, giving words of knowledge, right? Or casting out demons, right? <coughs> Performing the miraculous. Those are indications, those are demonstrations of the spirit that you cannot see. So, so, amen. And those in ancient times well understood this. This is why Elijah the prophet had a, a battle between the prophets of Baal. He says, call on the name of your God and see what he will do for you. Amen. Right? Now, <clears throat> let's not, let's see, the Westerner with the Greco mindset will read that and say, oh, they, they obviously they can't because they're serving, you know, false gods. So obviously there was no intervention of power. No. Um, what What's happening is that the, the, the power through which Elijah operated 
suspended their ability to work that. Because the people in the occult can do things like that. Demons can cause objects to fly across your room and do all this other stuff. They can cause the people possessed to levitate. As crazy as all that stuff sounds, it, they can do that. So what? why was it that the prophets of Baal were not able to deploy power? Is because Elijah the prophet was in the midst and those demons were, were hindered and could not successfully utilize their power. But nonetheless, uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven, right? And he swallowed up. Isn't that an amazing thing? See, here's the thing. God, you're, <coughs> some of you are wanting God to answer by fire. Some of you guys are wanting the Lord to come in power, but you're not sacrificing. Remember, Elijah had sacrificed water upon the altar, but there, this was during a time of famine and drought. He gave what was scarce. He didn't even give gold on the altar. He didn't give no burnt offering on the altar, right? He gave water, which was rarer than gold, and burnt offering. <clears throat> he poured it out as a drink offering unto the Lord. And then when he sacrificed what was scarce and what he could have easily rationalized, say, you know, Lord, there ain't much around. There isn't a lot of water around. And he just didn't pour a little pour you know pour a little bit like one water bottle right like <clears throat> right how uh but he poured barrels right he he dumped it all and and see here's the thing the way to increase in the kingdom of god isn't to hoard and to become greedy but is to relinquish see Abraham had to relinquish Isaac as a sacrifice. <clears throat> he had to give what he was retaining in order to get what he didn't have. Does that make sense? Amen. And I'm not saying go, you know, you know, be an airhead and just give away everything to every deadbeat and person that's worthless ground to uh, sow into. I'm not saying that. <clears throat> because you'll do some stupid stuff that way. When the Holy Ghost incites you, prompts you, says, do this. But Lord, that's my last uh, $50. Do it. And it may not be money. It may be time. It may be something else. Right? <clears throat> Don't put dictates on the Holy Ghost as to what he will tell you to do. Obviously, he's not going to tell you something that contradicts the word, right? If the Holy Ghost says, hey, give your last hundred dollars. <coughs> Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> I don't see where you spoke to me and told me to give a hundred dollars. And I need to see my name right there in the text. On this date, when you see... What I've learned is if you want to rationalize what God is saying, you'll rationalize it. No matter how obvious it is. It can be black and white like male and female, right? But people still find a way to say, well, there's a spectrum of gender, right? There's a spectrum. It's not, it's not binary. <clears throat> you know, they never stop to think for a minute 
that the claim that they're non-binary is itself a binary claim. Amen. <laughs> they're already excluding themselves and says, I'm non. Why do you have to add the negation to it? It's, it's, it's exclusion. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. There's no way you can avoid that. <clears throat> Does it make sense? Okay, I, let me get to the text now. I know I've been uh, <coughs> saying a lot here. <clears throat> so, excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> they have to be able to... Um, oh, Jesus, he was operating right in the power of the Spirit. He was operating... Right, he was demonstrating the kingdom. He was bringing the kingdom. Paul came in the demonstration of that kingdom. <clears throat> right, um, I've I've had amazing encounters uh, of of doing that. You know, I I, I remember <clears throat> one of the most amazing experiences was when um, I, I was at a Bible study and uh, there was um there was an atheist there that was a stranger. Right, I, I didn't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. There was an atheist there, and he was this brother was giving the Bible study, and, um, and the atheist was picking apart, you know, like oh, I don't know if I believe that, blah blah blah. I don't know, you know, I don't believe that prayer stuff, and I don't know why he was there, but be that as it may, he was, <clears throat> and um, and so I said, hey. Um, I know you don't know me, I don't know you, and I just want to make it clear for the record that no one here, and I said this out loud so you know those there could attest to it, I said no one here has told me about you, um, I said, but what I'm about to share, God told me about you, and, um, <clears throat> and it takes a lot of faith, you have to know you're hearing God because if it doesn't turn out to be true, like you made yourself look like a fool, right? <laughs> And he could easily deny it or whatever, right? <clears throat> so I'm not just like, oh, let me just make stuff up and all this sort of stuff. And um, and so I began to give, I began to share words of knowledge, and I told him about his mother who had uh, gone ill, <clears throat> because interestingly, he he was an evolutionist, like naturalist, like atheist. He believed in evolution, but he had this weird, like, law of attraction belief that he had. <clears throat> and he said law of attraction works, and that's why he doesn't need prayer and this, that, and the other. And um, I said, I said, God told me about your life and that there is this, uh, that the law of attraction did not work for your mother and her sickness. And instantly his lips started quivering he turned to the side and he just started weeping <clears throat> and up until that time he was just this very composed intellectual atheist and uh that was the precise reason that led him away from faith in god was that his mother had gained uh, had had succumbed to an illness right <clears throat> and he left her house they got in an argument. He said some bad things. He left, returned, and she 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 was dead. 
And, um, <clears throat> but there were several witnesses there. And I said, the same spirit that told me about your life, I said, the same spirit that inspired this book that you're picking apart, I said, you're without excuse this day before God. <clears throat> and um, I haven't seen him since, but it was undeniable that the manifestation of the spirit, the demonstration of the kingdom was was administered that day. And so you, I could have gone Mars Hill approach and say, well, you know, this and did the whole debate thing, which has its place. I'm not denying that. But <clears throat> people are looking for God and they need God to intervene. Amen. Does that make sense? Well, one other situation I really love when I was in the juvenile hall, and um, it was the same hall that I was in um, years ago when I was a, when I was a teenager, and it was amazing that the whole the whole way that God had given me entrance into that uh, that uh, juvenile hall was a miracle in itself, and I'm sure you guys have heard that testimony um, where. And my college campus, right? We were praying here in my house. I said, look, I've been desiring to go into the juvenile hall and I want God to give me entrance into it, right? I want to go minister there. <clears throat> and so we were praying here at my house. God, give me entrance. Give me, I had no connections. I didn't know who to talk to. Okay, this was years back, I think 2018. And uh, the following week was my first week of, of of college and uh i was in a public speaking class <clears throat> and um so we're in the public you know we're in the class and um the professor tells us to pair up in some groups and um so as we paired up in groups i'm in like in a group of five and we're having to share like stories about uh something that was very monumental to our life and as as they were sharing it, God had given me revelation for two people in the group, and um, and it was amazing because as I shared it, it was all on point, right? And they were just blown away. And then because that happened, there was this individual in the group that happened to be a Christian, and he's all, "Wow!" He said that same thing I experienced that years ago when this preacher came to our church and, and he told me I was dealing with migraines and I never met him a day in my life. And the fact was that for years as a child, I was suffering from severe migraines and there was no cure for it. I had to live on pain medication because it robbed me of the quality of my life and he prayed for it and God healed him from that day forward. <clears throat> but the Lord showed me Amen. that there was this girl in the Navy that had pain in her lower back and pain in her ankles. And she's like, how'd you know that? <laughs> it was just, and we got to, you know, pray for her afterward. That was awesome. But long story short, um, <clears throat> him and I start talking afterwards and, um, and he began, uh, yeah, he began sharing with me, you know, his story, how he came to faith. I began to share with him my story, how I came to faith and how I was in the streets and all that stuff, and in drugs and locked up, blah, blah, blah. And he's all, really? He's all, my dad actually 
ministers in the very place that you got locked up. I was like, wow. I said, I was just praying last week that God would give me entrance and connect with me, connect me to someone who works in there so I can minister to them. He said, I'll talk to my dad about it. Amen. <laughs> so, Amen. so I was like, awesome. And, uh, you know, he spoke to his dad, him and I met, and then boom, next thing you know, I'm ministering in the same kids jail that I was, I was locked up in, uh, first back in 08, and then, you know, 09 or, you know, or 10. <coughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and so it was amazing to see that God, what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse 20, I believe Amen. it is. Amen. And and as I was ministering in there, it was amazing. I remember one encounter where the Holy Ghost spoke to me about this young girl. And uh, as I was preaching, and it's amazing because there was inmates there and then the guards and everything. And then, I, you know, I looked at her dead in the eye and said, you know, the Lord says X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, she looked up and said, how do you know me? And then just like started weeping. And it, it was and then I prophesied to her that she would be getting out. And then so the following week, she wasn't there. And so it was just amazing how the Lord had fulfilled all of that. Um, I share all that to bolster our faith. That God hears prayer. <clears throat> that when his word goes forth, he isn't a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Amen. Amen. You know, um, okay, <clears throat> verse uh, 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, so what is the devil after? He's after your understanding, right? <clears throat> he wants to rob, that's why when we're, you know, in our fellowship here, right, what he'll, you know, oh, I'm hungry. What am I going to eat for later? So the word doesn't go into your head. <clears throat> right? He'll, he'll distract you about all these different things. Right? Amen. So that your mind doesn't retain the truth. Does it make sense? That's why, you know, right when you're about to get to the word or you're going to get in prayer... The devil will tell you all these sorts of things. You know, demons will start whispering in your ear like, oh, what about this? What about that? <clears throat> right? I remember once uh, back in uh, man, 2013, especially when I was unfamiliar with apologetics. I didn't really have answers to these sorts of questions. I was just reading the word and I just felt the force of a thought enter my head. You know, when I was reading Jesus's temptation in uh, Luke chapter 4, and um, when the devil started tempting him, and the devil said, if the Bible's true, who was there to witness that? Because it was just Jesus and, you know, the devil in the wilderness, <clears throat> right? Who, who's recording this? And, and it's little seeds like that that you bite on and entertain, right? And that then turns into fruit. Does that make sense? I'm not saying don't ask good questions, but see, the devil is is a, a master in asking all the right questions. He'll say, did God really say? 
right? Remember the, that ancient serpent in the book of Genesis? Did God really say? Amen. <clears throat> right? Cessationists do it all the time. Did God really say the gifts are for today? <laughs> right? The, the mother God cult does it for the nature of God. Is God really the only God? Right? Come on, somebody. Or and But it, it, it's also in very other subtle ways. Did God really say that you can't commit fornication? Right? Or he might whisper in your ear, hey, just, just hey, sleep with this person that's not your husband or wife. God will forgive it. Right? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> see, see he, he's, he's giving you his demonic gospel every single day in very subtle ways, and he knows exactly what it is that you want. Amen. You know, it amazes me because people think that the Jesus they're serving, you know, when you hold up a mirror, it looks just like them. It's the Jesus in their image. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> but see, the devil is after your understanding. Once again, verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. So one of the ways that the, the devil hinders the production of fruit in your life is to get you to become ignorant concerning the things of God. That's why I believe it's in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, if I'm not mistaken. For a lack of knowledge, my people perish. Notice, he doesn't say, for the lack of knowledge, unbelievers perish. You yourself will perish if you're without understanding. Amen. Does that make sense? But here's the thing, you know, that, but here, you know, C.S. Lewis said, every time we're opening up in a book, open up a book, we are admitting our own ignorance by default. I may not say it, but the fact that I open up a book is an admission of my ignorance. Otherwise, why am I opening it up to begin with? Just to pretend like I'm reading? But if I am in fact reading, it's because there's something I don't know that I want to come to know. Amen. <clears throat> and many times the Lord will use people that may not particularly come in your desired package, you're so focused on the container that you lose sight of the content, you're, you're offended because of the container in which is housing this content. But the Lord has done that purposefully. Has not, Paul the Apostle said, it is within these earthen vessels that we have the treasures? That within the, he says, you know, carrying these treasures in earthen vessels so that the excellency of the power of God might be manifest that is not of us, but of him. Amen. Amen. Yeah, how is it that the Lord has taken this former thug and, and drug addict and who was very illiterate and improficient in speech, writing, and reading, and can take me to become someone I never was. It's because the excellency of the Amen. power of God is not from me, but from him. I just Amen. possess these treasures in this earthen vessel. Amen. 
Amen. So because it's it's not, you know, it's not because of us. You know, what, what did the psalmist cry in the book of Psalms? Not unto us, O Lord, be the glory, but unto thee. Amen. Yes, Lord. Right. Certainly we cooperate with the Holy Ghost. We, course, we, 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 we yield to him. So we are not without any form of credit or reward for our obedience to him. However, he is the source. He is the one empowering you to do what you cannot do in yourself. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> right? So, you know, C.S. Lewis said it this way. Humility is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. Right? So, people have this false idea that humility is, oh, wretched man that I am. Woe is me. I'm nothing but a worm. I don't see that in the Bible. The only place that Paul says that in the Bible is in a in the context when he was talking about the corporate mosaic body that he's putting off, and he says, thanks be to God who delivers us from that. So Paul, you know, people say I'm a sinner. He never uses that term to the church. The word hagias is used to, to address the church, and it means holy ones. So why does Paul keep employing the term holy one? Holy ones, holy ones, if I'm just this wretched worm sinner. I'm not a sinner. Does that make sense? Or they'll quote Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen. All, yeah, that's right. All have sinned. Not all keep sinning because I can't ever obey God. Yeah. Or the heart is best desperately a wicked above all things who can. Oh, yeah, but I thought the Lord cleansed your heart. I thought the Bible said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. So do Amen. reconcile with me how your heart is desperately wicked and filthy and corrupt. You're nothing but a wretched worm sinner. And how the Lord says our hearts can be made clean. Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Therefore, beloved, having these precious promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all that contaminates soul and spirit and flesh. He would not tell you that you can do something if it cannot be done. Amen. First John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Now, therefore, Jesus says in, in John, You are pure because of the word that I spoke to you. So purity of heart is essential. And it is necessary and it's attainable, not in our own strength, but through the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? Amen. Um, so, <clears throat> but it says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Right? There's there's a source here that is is guilty of snatching it away, but there are multiple means through which he does this. Right? Multiple means. It can be due to distraction. Right? You never come to understand in the first place because you're always distracted. Right? You may never come to understand because you don't want to understand. Right? You're, bit, you're bent on misunderstanding. 
You, you ever you ever come across those people that are bent on misunderstanding you? And they will hear what you don't say, right? They, they're not hearing what you say, but they hear what you don't say, right? Yeah. And and what, let's, uh, let's, uh, I, I want to show one of the symptoms for why people, um, don't, uh, come to understand, <clears throat> uh, Look at uh, John chapter 7, verse 17. We'll return um, to this passage here in Matthew. But John chapter 7, verse 17. <clears throat> See, this is why this is why I also recommend uh, churches to kind of veer away from the King James. Especially like... <laughs> Um, and there's this, uh, believe it or not, there's groups out there, churches that believe that the King James Version Bible is the only Bible you can use. That even the Greek manuscripts, the Hebrew manuscripts are not sufficient. That is not the word of God. The, the word of God is the King James Version, right? That's what they think. And so they think NIV, ESV, they think NASB are all, uh, an agenda from the devil to to you know tamper with the word of god <clears throat> which is nonsense but they have the audacity to say that people in a foreign language needs to learn english to read the king james version to have the word of god it's just absolutely ridiculous now why i say that and the reason why i'm not saying don't read the king james version but if the devil is insistent to not if the devil wants you to not attain an understanding why would you put more obstacles in the paths of people to make it harder for them to come to know and understand so especially for those whose english is not their first language right i'm not going to use a translation that is even harder for them to understand when english is difficult as it is and i want to preach to them the gospel mm-hmm. You know, and I remember one time, uh, you know, a King James Version only guy came to my front door. Is like, oh, the King James Version, I'm I'm a KJV only Baptist. And uh, I'm like, cool, dude. Like, where's that in the Bible? <laughs> right? Use the whole slogan that people always use. Where's that in the Bible? Um, but anyways, um, you know, I pointed out to him how the King, well, in one passage in Hebrews where the King James Version didn't get the most accurate translation. Um <clears throat> because the Eesus can translate to Joshua or Jesus. And in the King James Version translation, in that context, they put Jesus, which when in all actuality, the context of which the author of Hebrews is appealing to is Joshua. I said, so if this King James Version translation is infallible, why did they not have the most accurate rendering of translation here? Uh, 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 uh. You know, and then, you know, he tries to grab for straw and explain all this stuff. Why he thinks it's still, it belongs there. But anyways, I, 
you know, I say these things in passing just so that you can gain a, more of an understanding. You might think, oh, how does that relate to my life? You know, but if you always have that sort of mindset, then you're always going to be stuck where you've been. Sometimes yeah. you need to, you may not need to know it now, but it will become useful for you later. Amen. <clears throat> right. Uh, John chapter seven, verse 17. We'll begin at verse 16. Jesus answered my teaching. Right. He says, uh, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Right. So what is Jesus saying here? One of the reasons why people never come to understand the word of God is because they don't want to do the will of God in the first place. Right? The Pharisees didn't want to do the will of God. They still had their wicked, unregenerative heart. And this precisely for this reason, Jesus says they could not see the kingdom. Okay. Let me let me let me inform you here. John chapter three verse three uh, through six, where Jesus says that you have to be born again. That unless one is born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What do you think of when you hear that passage there? Typically, people think when Jesus is talking about seeing the kingdom of God, he is talking about actually entering into heaven itself. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Nicodemus, when he comes to Jesus, first begins by saying, Teacher, Rabbi, we know that you are sent from God, for no one can do the works that you do unless they are sent by God. And so, notice the context is the miracles that are being performed. Jesus then responds to him and says that no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. Remember what I mentioned earlier about how Jesus says, if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. So that's why when the Pharisees seen Jesus casting out demons, what did they say? They didn't think he was sent from the Father. They said he does this by demons. They could not see the kingdom. Their eyes were closed to the kingdom. They could not accurately interpret the kingdom. Does that make sense? So when Jesus says that you can't see the kingdom unless you're born again, when people are performing, that's why all these cessationists, why they say, oh, that's from the devil, that because they can't see the kingdom. Why? Because their fearful hearts that uh, leading them to believe, right, that this is not from God stems from what, what did my pastor say? What did my pastor say? What did uh, Justin Peter say? What did John MacArthur say? What did my traditions indoctrinate me to believe? I cannot be wrong. That's just not a possibility. Therefore, this is that. This is not God. Because I have God all figured out in my little test tube and my, my, my theology that has been passed down to me from people who, by the way, uh, which fairly recently in church history has come to believe something that has not been believed. You read the apostolic fathers, the patriarchal fathers, 
right? From late first century, second century, third century, fourth century, they were speaking in tongues. They were casting out demons. They were healing the sick. They were prophesying. You can read Irenaeus, Ignatius, Clement, right? Polycarp. So the successors of the apostles are doing things that you don't believe, but um, but you're saying that that has ceased at the canon of Scripture? At the death of the apostles? How are they still continuing even after the death of the apostles? Yeah. Riddle me that, Batman. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> and the interesting thing is, these are the very apostolic fathers that they will praise. Oh, so you want to praise them when what they say aligns to what you believe, but will condemn them when it doesn't align to your indoctrinating system. <clears throat> Come on, somebody. So the Pharisees could not see the kingdom because they didn't want to do the will of God. They didn't want to. <clears throat> Amen. You know, I, I, I've had I've had witches, I've had warlocks, I've I've had people come to faith, right, through the testimony of the gospel. Why? Because even though they were deceived, they wanted to do the will of God. Right? But Amen. people who study the scriptures every single day, they don't want to do the will of God, and that's why they're bent on misunderstanding. See, that's why God is raising up the generation of people that are coming from the worst of places. The prostitutes, the, the gang members, the witches, the warlocks. Because the Lord because the, the, the so-called God's chosen have his hands have the Lord's hands tied because they don't want to be used by him. And that sounds blasphemous to say that, oh, he has his hands tied. But isn't that the problem that the Lord was dealing with in the Old Testament? He says these are stiff-necked people. They are hard-hearted. They don't listen. Therefore, I will provoke them to jealousy by a nation that don't know me. See, that's what the Lord is doing today. He's provoking the church to jealousy. He's bringing in the prostitutes. He's bringing in the gang member. He's bringing all these people that it uh, uh, upsets them or makes them uncomfortable because now they, they, they got to accommodate a mess. Oh, we don't like that. It's just us foe no more. <laughs> I just want to swing on my chandeliers and sing my hallelujah and do all that stuff, but I don't want to usher in the people that are despised. <clears throat> right? In fact, look at look at who Jesus rebuked the most. You know, you know, I was listening to this uh, comp, this little panel recently of of uh, um, th these these Calvinists and stuff, and uh, they got on to Paul Washer because Paul Washer was late. And he's like, "Where were you? Where were you at? What was? What were you doing that was so busy that you couldn't be here?" And they said that it blasted him. Uh, you know, before everybody, he said, I, "I was witnessing to a precious soul." He said, that was more meaningful to me than this whole thing about talking about winning souls. Well, I'm going to just talk about winning souls if I had an opportunity to win one right before I came here. Amen. It's like the parable where 
you know, the Jew gets beat up and then a, a, a priest comes by and he's like, oh, I can't attend to that. I got to go to the God's business. And he keeps on. And then a Levite comes. He's all, I would help, but I got to go attend to, you know, my business for God. And then who comes? A Samaritan. And ends up doing the will of God, even though the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. And that Samaritan was more in tune and in alignment with God than the so-called God-chosen. <clears throat> That's why God can take a Rahab, a prostitute, and she be commended by faith. Because she did what was pleasing to God, even though she was ignorant and not in the position as all these other privileged Jews were. Amen. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm not advocating living a dirty life, but here's the thing. I, you know, I, I remember being in a situation where I was, before I had come to the Lord, I was getting drunk and I was far from sober and yet, I remember looking at a cross and praying to the Lord, like, help me out here. But, you know, I didn't. what else am I going to do? Am I going to look to myself, start looking within and start praying to myself? What am I going to do? I need help. Amen. Right? No, now, you know, but this is not an excuse like, oh, pastor said I can get drunk and pray. No. You know, I, yeah. I, I've heard it worded this way because someone said, can you smoke cigarettes and pray at the same time? And and they said, uh, you cannot smoke while praying, but you can pray while smoking. The The, the reason for the order of priority there is to say this if you're smoking and you're struggling pray but if you're wanting to pray if you're praying you're like hey i'm a i'm a light one don't do that does it make sense the point is this the motive of the heart if you're struggling and you're smoking cigarettes say god please help me i i i want to give this up god please help me here right versus I'm praying right now, I'm going to worship the Lord, then I'm a light one. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's that's kind of the idea that I'm I'm getting behind. Does that make sense? I hope so. Amen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but look, once again, Jesus said, my teaching is not my own. If it comes from the one, who, it comes from the one who sent me, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So, so one of the biggest reasons for why people are bent on misunderstanding is because they don't want to do the Lord's will. Right? That's why when, when you try to tell people that homosexuality is a sin, right? They, they cannot for the life of them. Not every single one of them, but... If they don't want to give it up, they'll say they'll say things like, but God is love. What's wrong with this? Who am I hurting? If it's consensual, what's the problem? Do you see? But the person who's open to doing the will of the Lord, they'll say, you know, I've never heard that before. Um, I know that people have convinced me I was born this way. But 
if that's what God says, then I'm willing to give it up. Right? Do you see the humility there? The humility in, in the voice like that? So now when we go back to Matthew chapter 13, we have to be careful that when we hear the word of God, we don't have this disposition that says, I don't want to hear that. That can't be true. I don't want to do what God told me to do. Because you'll hide yourself like Adam. But here's the thing. The Lord always instructs us for our good. He doesn't tell you to do things that are destructive, that will be be for your uh, calamity. Right? What does it say in Jeremiah 29, 11? Uh, The thoughts that I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a good hope and a future. See, I just had another homeboy die, and I I presume it was an overdose because he was on heroin. I've had a lot of friends die, unfortunately, due to drugs, gang violence, or they're locked up in prison, or the drugs had gone, made them go insane, or they're demon-possessed. There are just so many things, and see, but where did it begin? It began in high school. It began in middle school. Oh, man, this sounds fun. Oh, we're going to look cool, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're just going to do what everybody else does to become accepted or to get uh, to avoid our problems. And and the devil takes you through these gateways and then he begins to mature that sin. And as James says, when sin is fully conceived, it gives birth to death. That's why in the Psalms says that the wicked shall not live out half their days. But do we, as the church, not want to live long life? Peter says this, You who love life and would see many good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your your lips from speaking lies. Seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ear is attentive to their cry. So we, as the church, our portion is to live long life. Our portion is to live prosperous. Our portion is to live on the goodness of the Lord and his tender mercies. Amen. Amen, somebody. The Lord doesn't want you to face calamity, to die before you fulfill the plans of God in your life. What does it say? See, the sure, the greatest insurance policy of your life is to be in the dead center of the will of the Lord. That's why in the book of Acts, when uh, they were referring, uh, I believe it was uh, Stephen, was referring to David, it says, after David did the will of God, he slept with his fathers. See, David doing the will of God was David's insurance policy to prolong his days. And so that after he did the will of God, I heard one man say, I am immortal until I have fulfilled the will of God. But if you're outside of the Lord's care, then there is no protection. Does it make sense? Amen. Right, see, when when the Israelites were in the will of God, in the dead center of his will, Balaam did not successfully invoke a curse. But you know what he did? He allured them to sexual immorality. And the Israelites began to sleep with 
uh, uh, you know, and commit fornication. But that curse was still in the air. So that when they committed sexual fornication, that curse, therefore, had a cause. That's why it says in Proverbs, a curse without a cause will not alight. But it found a cause so that the curse now, therefore, stuck and many of them perished. Right? That's why when people say, oh, witchcraft don't work, that's not true. I wish preachers would stop saying that garbage. Now, when we're in the will of the Lord and we're covered and we're praying and we're obedient, right? We can successfully combat that stuff. And we can cause that to backfire on their heads. Does that make sense? No. You know, I have this testimony. There was an individual, this was probably about last year that was doing witchcraft on someone in the group. It was a witch. And I prayed that it would backfire a week later exactly that witch died. Amen. Right? Yeah, I know that that sounds crazy, but I, I, thought, I thought we want to get back to the book of Acts. <clears throat> what did Paul say to the sorcerers? You son of the devil, you stop perverting the ways of righteousness. Behold, the blindness will come upon you. And then he was instantly struck blind. Amen. But when we're when we're not walking in alignment to the Lord, that stuff can affect us. Right? <clears throat> That's why it's imperative, my brothers. And I know that this is hard, but I say this for our care. I say this for our protection. Right, say this for our good. We want to be in alignment to the Lord, right, so that we enjoy peace. Let's say that they that walk by the Spirit is life and peace. That we would have peace from our enemies. We would have joy everlasting. We have an abundance of prosperity. Don't don't believe this false uh, uh, depiction of God that the Lord wants your life hard, suffering, and a bunch of, of dismay. All in the name of crucifying the flesh. And, and I won't hear today, but I can show you verse by verse in the context where crucifying the flesh meant putting off Adam and putting on Christ. Amen. So, so have you put on Christ and have been incorporated into that new body? Then you're no longer in the flesh. Paul says, if you put on Christ, you're no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. Amen, somebody. So if he says, you who are of the spirit, keep in step with the spirit is what he says in Ephesians. I like how the Greek puts it, be being filled with the Spirit. So just because you've initially been filled with the Spirit doesn't negate the fact that is a continual process every single day to refill up. Did you say, oh man, I don't need to fill up my car. I already filled it up last week. Well, tell the, the empty gas sign that and not me. Tell your boss that. When you're headed to work, I don't know what happened. I filled it up last week. 
Yeah. Don't get depressed now. <clears throat> right? So, Amen. so, so, uh, Matthew 13, look at what it says, uh, Verse twenty. <clears throat> the seed. Well, let's let's go to one other passage. Um, I I want I want to go to Hebrews chapter six. Are you getting something out of this? I hope you are. Hebrews chapter six. <clears throat> Verse one. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary elementary teachings about Christ. And be taken forward to maturity. So remember, the devil's after your understanding. He doesn't want you to grow in your knowledge. Right? He wants you, if he can't get you to not understand it altogether, he will get you to, he will have your understanding limited. You know, babies are cute. Little children are so precious. Man, I posted on my Instagram this. Uh, Victor Victor Marks, he he was praying over this sweet little girl, man. It was it was just warm my heart, you know. Um, I love what he does, man. He he helps, uh, traffic children and orphaned children, all that. Just absolutely wonderful. But he blesses her, and she's without a father. And after praying for her, she comes and just embraces him because she's without care, without parents. And, and just to see the desperate need in these young children, it, is, it should move the church. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but, but as sweet and precious Amen. as these little children are, they're not much use. They're not very useful in the world. Doesn't mean I'm not saying they're worthless. I'm just saying that they're in a stage in life to where if they're four years old, five years old, they're not much of a contribution to society because they're dependent upon their parents to adequately train them. Does that make sense? And the older they grow, exactly, they can't go to war, they can't vote, they, they, they just there's certain things they can't do, and we shouldn't expect them to do it. Right? This is the problem I have with parents. They're always wanting the children to do things that the parents never taught them to do. Or they're expecting so much out of the children. Like, where were you all my life? Or blah, blah, blah. You ever, you know, ever hear that? Where the parents walked out on the children and they expect the children to come running after them? No. You run after your children. Amen. You brought them into this world. You have a responsibility before God. They don't have a responsibility to take care of you. Right? Amen. And is it any wonder why children, when they do grow older, don't want anything to do with the parents because the parents didn't invest in them? So how you expect to get fruit from a field you did not sow into? Amen. You want fruit, but you didn't. You didn't sow dang seed. You didn't reap anything. You, you didn't. You didn't cultivate the garden, right? What a lousy man! What a lousy woman to expect fruit from a thing that 
What are, what is this? You, we have a homeless mentality. You just want to panhandle. No, the people of God should not panhandle. The people of God should not be deadbeat parents that don't adequately invest in their children. Amen. 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 That is sad. It is so sad to me. And it's sad to the Lord. You know why? Because God is a good father. And he takes care of his children. Amen. And if Amen. we want to be a good father or good mother, we must reflect that ethic of the Lord. You know, even Paul says, doesn't the world care for their own? He said he t- he accused the church of Corinthians. He says you are doing things that even the pagans don't do. You know what did Paul say? He says any man doesn't provide for his own house. He is denied the faith. Has become worse than an unbeliever. Because even unbelieving fathers, at times, and mothers take care of their children. Amen. Parents need to suck it up. Stop whining. If you weren't there in the picture, don't wait for your children. And you know what? They're not going to be so happy when you first come around. So don't blame them for being resistant to you. Don't blame them that they deny your gifts. Don't blame them that they're a flower that cannot blossom because you caused for it to wilt. Now you need to do extra work. And maybe they'll accept you. Amen. You, you put them off for what, 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, and you want them to open up in a single day? It's stupid. And yet, meanwhile, we claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost and have understanding of the Lord, and we can't seem to understand that. Amen. We need to get ourselves in sackcloth and ashes and repent for this lousy uh, mindset. Seriously. If we can't love our own flesh and blood... how are you going to even love your neighbor who, who you don't even interact with every day? We can't even love the fruit of our own womb. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so, you know, we, we, need, we need to get that fixed. Um, but, but my point, though, it says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and take him forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. So, in other words, the author of Hebrews wants us to move beyond immature understanding. See, uh, you know, it's it's okay if you're six months and you're in a diaper, but there's a problem if you're 10 years old and you still have diapers. There's something wrong with that. People Amen. should not be changing you at 10 years old. You should be changing yourself. Come on, somebody. But yet, in the spirit, there are so many Christians are truncated and they're immature. I don't say this to be insulting. I, you know, and, and if you're a babe in Christ, you're new. And, you know, I say this figuratively. You, you know, you have people that are changing you, so to speak. That's fine if you're in that phase and you're, you're, you're where. Those, uh, what do they call them? Uh, 
not landmarks, uh, not building blocks, uh, it's a term that's used for, um, where babies should be at, at a certain age, uh, milestone, there you go, if you're on an accurate milestone in life, great, but if you should be beyond that milestone, then we need, we really need to progress, does that make sense? You know, it's cute when, when you're asking your parents for stuff as a baby, but it's not cute when, when you're... (laughs) You know what I mean? When you're older. Come on, somebody. And I get it. Everybody needs help in life. I'm I'm not. I'm, I understand there's situations and not everyone has dealt with the hand of cards someone else has dealt with. Some people need to get out, you know, much harder ditches than others. So all of our milestones are going to look different. But the point that i'm trying to make is that we need to advance towards maturity through our under, through growing in our knowledge of god amen does that make sense let let us uh let, let us look at another passage here <clears throat> it's in second peter i believe chapter 3 <clears throat> second peter chapter 3 verse 18 I'll be coming to a close here shortly. What does it say here? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So what does it say? Does it say become truncated? Does it say uh, be cool with your app? Does it say just, just stay stuck there? No. He says, but grow, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Amen. You know, and I'm not going to grow on my knowledge of the Lord by emptying my mind, <laughs> becoming one with the universe. <laughs> you know, I've seen, you know, I don't know if you guys seen this video I posted on Facebook recently and they called it art. And this guy, they paid like over a million dollars for a guy to like rub his face against this like spinning clay or something. I'm like, give me a million dollars. I'll do that. I'll do that. (laughs) What the heck? What is that? (laughs) But there there was a little voiceover. (laughs) And he's like, ooh, he's becoming one with the clay. <laughs> or the woman shaking her leg. Or <laughs> It's like, where are all these people at? Like, where are these offers at? <laughs> right? Or the people that are always, you know... Going around saying, I'll give you $100 if you quote to me three Bible verses. Why don't I ever run into these people? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'll give you several. And I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you all the verses that you don't like, too. 
I'll give you all the ones you didn't highlight. <laughs> all the ones that are not on your coffee mug. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> because I'm a provocator. I throw pebbles in people's shoes so that that, that discomfort can lead them to growth. <clears throat> you don't grow in comfort. No. Right? Um, you, you don't. And and I don't do that in hate. I I'll because I I you know the best coaches are the ones like yeah it's five in the morning but what are you paying me for I'm getting you up come on right no just five more no no five more minutes let's keep going right but then once you start seeing the results then it's like man I'm so glad I'm so glad I stuck with it right <clears throat> but. But Peter's saying grow in our knowledge. It's not through emptying our mind. It's by filling our mind. So when those wicked thoughts come into your mind, you cut them off. You tear them down. You don't entertain it. You don't accept it. So the devil's saying you're worthless. Say no. That's not what the word of God says. Or you're going to die in a famine. Or you're not going to have enough. No, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 that he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> or God isn't hearing you. No, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, I have those things for which I ask. You know, oh, God don't love you. You're just a worthless piece of trash. No, the Bible says in Jeremiah, uh, I believe 31, 32, or 33, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Amen. Or, you know, the devil's saying you're going to die. No, I, I'm going to echo what the great patriarch said, King David, that I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the wondrous works of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And you... you Quote that. You speak life over yourself. You quote the word of God until you begin to feel that welling up and swelling up with conviction and confidence that you begin to pray and say, I will not die, but I will live and I will declare his wondrous works. The weapons you have fashioned against me will not prosper. I will live. I serve the God of life. He is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. Glory to God. Amen. Or the Lord isn't going to get you out of this situation. No, I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I serve the God of Moses who led the people out through the waters and they were not, they were not scorched. They were not swallowed up. <coughs> no matter what lie comes our way of the devil saying, you know, oh yeah, your enemies are going to advance against you. You know, you begin to pray what David prayed and say, let their snare become a trap to them. And may I pass by safely. The Lord has delivered me from the lion's mouth is what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he will continue to deliver me is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver. God is no delivering God for no reason. He just he just doesn't say that. Mm, I'd like to attribute that that phrase that title to me. I, that sounds good, right? You ever seen that uh, Facebook uh, reel um, where this guy is like? It says in the caption, he says, "When you ain't got no money, but you're asking how much it costs anyways." He's all, 
ooh, I, I, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. He <laughs> 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 shows him going to the car dealership. He's like, how much is that? He's like, he's like, a hundred thou. He's like, mm, I think I can do that. That's a good, in that color, that's a good price. I think I can do that. <laughs> so the, the Lord isn't just, right, saying things that are not true or that are not in keeping with his character just to say it. Come on, somebody. So if God says he's a delivering God, he will deliver. If God says he, he is our salvation, <clears throat> you know, I was reading in Jeremiah and, and, uh, and it states, uh, I won't go there, but it, it says that the Lord will do a new thing and that they shall call him, um, uh, the Lord is our righteous Savior. Now, when you look at the Hebrew, Yeshua, which transliterates to Jesus, it means the Lord saves. So Jeremiah was prophesying of Jesus coming, being the Savior of the world. So, Yahweh saves, the Lord saves, he delivers. He delivers us from the devil, he delivers us from the hands of our enemies, he delivers us from our sins. He delivers us from death. He delivers us from depression. He delivers us from dejection. He delivers us from dismay. He delivers us from addiction. He delivers us from that, that we may serve him all our days without fear in holiness and peace all our days. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Go to Second Peter chapter uh, one, verse five. Well, let, let, actually, verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us. So God's power gives you enablement to do all that He has called you to do. Right. Amen. In verse four. Uh, uh, it says, uh, but oh, I'm sorry. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. So it's not power plus absence of knowledge. It's power plus knowledge. Amen. <clears throat> so once again, remember what I said, if the devil can't, eliminate your understanding altogether, he will at least limit it. Because if he can keep you immature, you'll be ineffective. Amen. What is it say in Galatians? That even though he be a child, he be heir of all the inheritance, he differeth nothing from a slave insofar as he remains immature. See, some of us are waiting for things from God, waiting blessings from God, ministries from God, spouses from God. But because you are immature, you differeth nothing to the slave. You don't inherit the promises for which God has for you because you are remaining stagnant, truncated, and immature. Amen. You don't give jewels to children. Right? I don't say that as an insult. Please don't hear me as insulting you. I'm just saying that there are, and, and there's perhaps things in my life. I'm immature and I haven't walked in just, God is not going to get me because I need to, 
uh, develop a character or the, the resistance or some form of capacity that corresponds in proportion to whatever he wants to give me. Because if he doesn't, that will be to our detriment and our harm. Does that make sense? It makes, no, it makes no sense to give you a child if you yourself are a child, right? So, so but notice though, it, it, we are enabled to live a godly life through our knowledge of him. So what this means then is that you must grow in your great, grow in the knowledge of our Lord. That means you must meditate upon his word. That means that you got to pray so that you uh, have a fuller understanding of the mind of Christ, right? <clears throat> Come on, somebody. That means that you have to get discipled. And let me let me emphasize this uh, because it's the thing that a lot of people do not want. They'll say, "I'll just read my Bible between me and the Lord. I'll just pray between me and the Lord." Is that necessary? Yes, but it's not sufficient. And the reason why I can say that is because there's textual evidence to support that. Ephesians chapter 4. That he has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we may all grow in our knowledge of him. Right? <clears throat> so let us not eliminate what is clearly there in scripture that God has provided. Remember what I was saying earlier about what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 16 and 17, if any man's will is to do the will of my Father, right, he will know whether my doctrine is from God or not. See, the reason why a lot of times people don't accept these points of doctrine is because they don't want to do the will of God. Because the will of God in that particular area is going to make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Right? What does it say? That people will suit up for themselves teachers to, to scratch their itching ears, and people will turn away from the truth. See, you don't want to turn away. See, even the false, <laughs> even the people that don't want to do the will of God are heaping up for themselves teachers. Mm. Even those serving the devil have teachers for them. But the children of the light are the only ones that says, I don't need no teacher. I'll do this my, I'll do it my own. I got it. Just me and the Bible. Me and Jesus. Right? Amen, somebody. I look, I don't I don't make this stuff up. I just I just read the text. I see what the Lord has has appointed for his people. And I relate that. Right? It's for our good. But notice though, it says. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you might participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, <clears throat> make every effort to add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge. So do you see here that faith isn't enough? Yeah, you entered the, the kingdom through faith. That's great. You believe the gospel. What did Paul says to the church at Thessalonica? We thank God continually. For when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. That is effectually at work in you who believe. So those who believed needed to hear it. Right? They heard it. They believed. They were grafted into the body of Christ. 
They had entered the kingdom, but it doesn't stop there. Some people, you know, they only stay at 30-fold, but they never go to 100-fold. They love to just stay in the outer court, but they don't love to go into the inner court. They just love to stay out here, you know, distant from God, but they never advance in God. Does it make sense? And so he's saying, add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge. Right? So let us not be infants touching our understanding. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Don't be infants as far as our understanding is concerned. Does that make sense? See, because the, the, the less you know about God, the more you're easily to be deceived about things that aren't God. Amen. They'll say, oh, God's Amen. this way. Oh, God's this way. <laughs> Come over here because God does this. <laughs> you know, and they, they just, they, they, they lure you to these, these false understandings of God Right, you'll you'll be you'll be those that follow to what uh what passion Java fruit and uh, uh lovey dovey says, right? They they have pictures of their hand and the pictures of their face, and they're selling them for like you know a hundred dollars or something. And they say that you can get healed through them, or I don't know some crazy nonsense. <laughs> see, see, if you don't know the word of God, you'll fall for nonsense like that. <clears throat> or 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 you'll hear uh or you'll hear uh you know guys say oh the Elon Musk chip implant is the mark of the beast and you'll go into a frenzy. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. I don't, I don't want you guys unnecessarily afraid. It it, it raises some. Good biomedical, uh, ethical questions and theological questions, I think, should be answered. But as beyond that, it, it has no eschatological significance. It has n- show me in the Bible where it talks about microchip implants, right? If audience relevance means anything. Audience relevance means anything at all. Jesus was not warning the apostles about microchip implants. Elon Musk is the Antichrist. He's going to stand in the holy place. All right, Elon Musk, you're going to stand in the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. Are you going to rebuild it or, or what? <laughs> Come on now. Audience relevance. Jesus was speaking to them. Amen. Right? <clears throat> I, I, it, that's, that's very important. <clears throat> and um, because, I, you know, especially during the COVID lockdowns, you know how many people were, were robbed of peace because of that? So many people were robbed of peace. They they didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to believe. And and you know what? It, you know it just made the people that were propagating that fear mongering richer. Because fear sells. Amen. Amen. You know they just these people just think of themselves as eschatological tabloids. 
They're the, the Reader's Digest for, for theology. <laughs> right? Come on, somebody. Look, let's yeah. not be infants. Let's not be swayed by this nonsense. We need to be good exegetes of the word. <clears throat> we need good robust understanding of the scriptures we need to delve into the word of god we need to amen. know what this text is saying and to whom it's applying amen 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 that is the safeguard against false doctrine that's the safeguard against misunderstand of false representations of god <clears throat> but look at what it says and to knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, love. Notice what it says here in verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so knowledge is a quality, and Peter is expecting you to grow in this in increasing measure. Right? So, in increasing measure, um, they will, it says, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. See, notice that. The lack of growing in knowledge leaves you nearsighted and blind and makes you ineffective, makes you unproductive. <clears throat> right? See, see, you know, so now we're praying misguided prayers. They're just, they're just blanks. And so our prayers of, oh God, the Antichrist and stop the Antichrist, you know, all this stuff or stop the mark of the beast or whatever it is. We're praying misguided prayers because of our lack of understanding in the word. Amen. We have a lot of dispensing of zeal, but we don't have it in accord with knowledge. Amen. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so th this is this is uh, you know I, I recent uh, some months back <clears throat> there was this individual I'm not gonna say who but there was this individual that's a believer has been a believer for a while they they were they were demon possessed and um, so that just throws that idea out the window that you can't be a Christian and, and have a demon. <clears throat> but this demon was growling at me and, and um, you know, threw this individual on the ground and, and all this stuff. Uh, but, but this individual got set free. But they had been in church for over a decade, worshiping God and been told you have to crucify the flesh. You know, the sad thing is that our lack of understanding will keep you in bondage. And, and, and you just saying God loves me is not going to help you. It's necessary to know. But see, here's the thing. There's things that God's love won't deliver you from. It's the knowledge of God that will set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Does that make sense? No. 
See, people are dealing with altars that are speaking against their life. People are dealing with, you know, uh, certain situations, right? And the key to being delivered from certain issues and situations is a proper understanding. And if you do not have that understanding, according to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, you shall perish. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Not the world, not the devil, my people. Doesn't mean that God don't love you. Doesn't mean that he's not for you. But here's the deal. He has commanded you already in the scriptures to do X, Y, and Z. So that if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, you're not growing in knowledge, you're not pursuing insight and revelation, you will be hindered. We don't want the devil to prevail. And and you saying, oh, the devil's been defeated. <laughs> All that sort of rhetoric is not going to help you when you're feeling defeated every day. Amen. <laughs> I'm just going to praise him. <laughs> He's going to get me through. <laughs> God's going to do it. <laughs> I know I'm being facetious here and I'm, you know, throwing on my little T.D. Jakes persona, but it's just the lighten the blow a little bit so it don't sting so bad. It's the lily, little lollipop after the dentist. <clears throat> right, Mary, you know, laughter does good like a medicine. So, so, but, you know, I, I say this in love, I really do. And uh, so, <clears throat> let us... um there are other two reasons that inhibits fruit production, according to Matthew 13. And we know that fruit is, is many things. Fruits is the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, happiness, goodness, faithfulness. But it's also productivity. It's good works. It's good doctrine. It's good relationships. It's good financial stewardship. There's so many things that the, 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 that's the result of the Spirit's work in our life. It, it leads to harmony. It's a harmonious, peaceful life that we 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 produce, right? As we keep in step with the spirit. But two other things that inhibit it, right, is the love the pl- love of the pleasures of this world, and also tribulation, right? <clears throat> Certain people believe a little while, and then when they're met with persecution or tribulation or some hardship. They then think, why am I doing this anyways? And then they fall back. Or the deceitfulness of riches or pleasures or certain things then choke out the word and also makes them unfruitful. But I'm not, I'm not going to go into uh, those two for the sake of time. But I, I think the primary focus of ours today was we don't want to be unfruitful due to our lack of understanding. Amen. <clears throat> right? And let me say, we're at an all-time high despite the assimilation of, of so much information at a rapid rate. We're broader than ever, but we're more shallow than ever, I think. And that's why, you know, I, I see, you know, I make comments on certain things on the internet and people think I'm just absolutely crazy. At Christians, I'm like, dude, I'm just sharing what the word says. 
Right, they mm-hmm. they look like they've seen a ghost or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, I'm I like I love the Lord. I think you need to read the Bible. I hear it all the time. Like, like I, I can read it in Greek. I've been reading it every day for thirteen years. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right? I don't say that to be boastful, but I, I really think that's arrogant. I really do. I think it's arrogant when you're, when you, when you, it's like, it's like telling a, um, it's like telling a heart surgeon, you just need to read your biology book or something like that. Right. Or, or telling, you know, you know, it's like, I, it's like me telling Malachi, you just need to study music theory. What was he doing all these years? Getting educated, getting his degree. What was he doing? Right? <laughs> Does that make sense, guys? Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. This, I, I promise this is the last uh, verse. I'm not going to comment on it very much. Just give me two more minutes. Uh, Proverbs 2. <clears throat> like what it says, verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn your ear to wisdom. So that you know what that means? Stop stop listening to, to Elon Musk, microchip. It's the mark of the beast. Stop listening to that garbage. Stop listening to, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the commercialized novices that just want to make a, a profit off of you by being these end-time tabloids and commenting on, you know, everything that the world is doing, right? And Nas X, look at what Nas X is doing. Oh man, look, at he's bending over backwards. I got my haters, blah, blah, blah. You got all, you know, you got all these guys saying this stuff, right? Turn your ear away from that, that, that theological gossip. Turn your ear, right, to the wisdom of God, to the Holy Writ, to the scriptures, to what the Spirit is saying. Because even though someone uses verses, don't mean that they're exegeting the Bible. Amen. Doesn't mean they're revealing the mind of God, right? What did Jesus do, do on the road to uh, on uh, the Emmaus road? It says, "Then he opened their mind to the scriptures, because he was showing from the law and the prophets how all the things that the law and the prophets testified of was pointing to him." So, you know what these things are doing? They're not pointing to Christ. They're pointing to Antichrist. They're pointing to microchip. They're pointing to Elon Musk. They're not pointing to Christ. And it's that subtle, right? That's why you can spend two hours about people commenting on this stuff, but you can't spend two hours praying in the Holy Ghost. Right. Why? Because the next ten, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, man. You know, you want to check your phone or like, man, I'm hungry. Why you can't just stay there sitting, praying, oh God, I thank you, Jesus. I just call down fire upon every wicked scheme of the devil. I thank you for open doors. You're just praying there for two hours straight. But you can watch two hours of, you know, 
uh, Nephilim, and they're in the Florida Mall? Type amen if you believe that. Amen. Right? Be Why? You know why? Because it's not edifying the spirit, man. Amen. Anything that edifies the spirit, man, is difficult to stay put and build yourself up because it's a work. Right? Even even street preachers that argue with other people, you can sit and watch an hour of that because you like to be entertained about, ooh, what's going to happen? He's going to get punched. or That's not edifying your spirit, man. Amen. Come on, somebody. <coughs> Subtle difference, but they're worlds apart. Right? I don't, I don't need to be entertained with religion. I need to grow. That's why I listen to Apostle Arome. That's why I'll sit and watch, listen two hours of Apostle Arome's sermon. Right? Because it's edifying my spirit, man. I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in stature. I want to know more of God. I want to glean from his insights of God, you know, so that that's what I that's what I'm looking for. So turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. So that means you got to do some applying. Matthew 13, you don't want the devil to take away your understanding. Apply your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. So there's some prayer involved here. It's not just scholasticism. It's not just scholarly inquiry. There is some deploying of spiritual energy, crying aloud to God, humbling ourselves. And you know, I think one of the reasons for this is because as you maintain that posture of humility, because every, every time someone prays genuinely from the Holy Ghost that is espousing and uh, fostering a posture and disposition of humility. It's an admission, I don't have it all, I don't know it all, God help me. So that when you do grow to that understanding, it was paved through the path of humility, and so you therefore don't become inflated with ego. Amen. I was just recently on a, 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 a debate, I regret doing it, with a bunch of these guys that were infants and dwarfs in the spirit. That's all they do. They're on Mars Hill. That's all they ever do is just debate and they talk at each other. I'm going to demolish you. I'm going to just rip you to shreds. And I'm like, man, you guys are little, you guys are kids. You know why? Because, you know, that knowledge was acquired through constant debate and friction of minds of contrary, of, of, of with other men of contrary minds. It wasn't through, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to know you more. I'm seeking after you. O Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things in thy law. Amen. Amen. That's why I don't respect men that don't pray. I was, I was here on this recliner. I've spent hours praying. You know, hours and hours praying in the Holy Ghost. Just God. My wife will hear me. My son will hear me. The neighbors will hear me. The devils hear me. I want the devils to hear me. Amen. You wicked spirits, you and your boyfriends. <laughs> what did the Queen of England say? You know, the thing that I fear are the prayers of John Knox. 
Demons fear prayerful men and women. But, and if you look for it, it's for silver or Starbucks. I mean, I'd tell you some females will wait an hour in line in Starbucks, but they won't wait hour in prayer. They waited. They waited forty five minutes on you know on the on the dope dealer on the plug, but they won't wait forty five minutes in the Lord. Amen. You waited forty five minutes on the plug, and he gave you some stress, <laughs> some oregano. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to make draw these comparisons here. Right? Learn, learn to wait upon the Lord and inquire of him. If you search for his silver, search for his hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. <clears throat> he holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. Sorry, that was more like seven minutes, but five. But we're going to do some prayer right now and ask for the Lord for understanding. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Amen. Ask the Lord for insight. <clears throat> See, that that is that is the key that will that will be the, the entering in of, of the door that you need to enter in. Does that make sense? There are certain doors that are shut, not because God doesn't love you, but because you are lacking in wisdom. The Bible says, the way of the fool wearieth every one of them. Right? The fool walks and is wearied because his heart, his life is hard. He's working harder not wiser, but when you begin to obey the Lord, he gives you wisdom, you attain favor, and your life becomes more pleasant and easy. Doesn't mean that you won't be met with tribulation, but the way of the fool wearieth every one of them. It, the way of the wicked is hard. You know, in Ecclesiastes, I love this verse, it says that you can tell a fool when he walks alongside of the road. You know, for those here in California, you know those guys, the guys that have the little Edgar haircuts and how they walk. <laughs> I don't, maybe you guys have them out in New York too, or maybe, you know, but um, in other words, these guys, they, they walk like, you know, they're sagging and they walk like uh, Gumby or Gumbo, right? With they uh, they walk like that, and they always say no <laughs> But you can tell when a fool walks alongside of the road. That's what I think of when I read that verse. Right? We need we, let, let us not let us not be deemed foolish by how we walk, both morally and literally. You need to walk with some dignity in your step. <clears throat> right? Come on. All right, so let's pray. 